permanent and impermanent. Doris, Doris, Lara, Reiner, Aaron, Ava, plants, trees, dragonflies. Uh, there's probably some deer around listening. They often do. How are you two? Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, what brings you here today? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good to see. Good to see the digital image of both of you. And you, yours is really clear. Yeah. Oh, good. 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 You look. Are you getting any? Any? You begin to get any warmth over there? You still got a toucan there, Jonathan. Uh, we had frost this morning. We had thick ice on the cars and. Freezing. What's that stuff? But it's sunny. Ah, good, 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 good. Well, uh, what, what? Do you have any, um, do you have any specific questions that uh, you have on your, your, um, your brain cells there? My main one is just around reading, reading material for the retreat, and if you had any thoughts or suggestions there. Um, I do have a few things on my iPad, but I'm not sure if that is good to bring that or if I should get hard copies or whatever. Uh, probably good to probably good to get hand copies. Yeah, I prefer that. Just because on iPads there's also emails and sometimes there's wireless access and all that, and it's very tempting to go through past messages and other things and read and you know how it is. And 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 uh, Laura, how about yourself there? Um, yes, in terms of the questions. Yeah, things for um, Dharma discussion. Um, you mentioned that we could ask for the Namjo Sadhana of Chenrezig about a month after your initial email, and that's not quite a month, but I don't know when I'll be seeing you again. So uh, I can I can I can I can email that uh, to you. Actually, the the one that I sent you is the really is a very classic text used in Tibet by so many different different schools, and uh, that's uh, as far as I can see, that's where that text came from. That that Namjoon used a lot, and somebody made just some elaborations to it, and obviously expanded a little bit, a tiny bit. So yeah, I, that's pretty good. So have you been um, working with that text, studying with that text? Yes, yeah, yeah. working with the text, and then we've been. We met up, um, had our first study group, the two of us, and discussed the Four Noble Truths, which is our topic at the moment. Yeah, and, and, and everything else. And <laughs> yeah, and then everything else that interweaved with that. But we yeah. both, well, I found it really rewarding. Yeah, And, yeah. and um, really looking forward to just building on that, um, seeing where it goes. And any, yeah. any questions <laughs> or anything you want to, to talk about to do with the Four Noble Truths? So 
It's a wonderful, it's, it's a really deep and wonderful question. I'm glad you asked that one actually, that's really good. We can, we can uh, maybe in a month or two we can discuss that, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How's that for hell? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's actually very good and I'm happy to, I'd actually, that's a very good uh, topic because it, it's really important um, to go over again and again and again. Um, part of, may I, may, I, may I speak to that for a second? Yeah. Part of, part of the, the dialogue you're having is whether there's actually any uh, difference. You make a, make a difference, you think mental and form, but actually uh, in um, uh, both modern science, but in also in the, uh, the Mahayana, the teaching of the uh, Heart Sutra and so on, and Vajrayana, uh, there, there, wherever there's mental phenomena, there's going to be some form. So it really doesn't matter, even if you're in a, in a, uh, a jealous God realm, you're a hell realm, there, there is a form associated in the same way that whatever mental state we have, that's the world that we're in at that moment. That's how the actual world is experienced. But we, we have to stop separating the physical from the mental because whatever we have as mental, we create a physical space, both internally and externally. So a being that, a being that is, is insane, a being that is temporarily insane, uh, is in a hell realm. So they may have paranoia, they may have delusional states, and actually that's how the world is for them. And they can make the world around them absolute living hell and suffering for the people around them. Whether they're a, whether they're a leader of a country or whether they're a, pe a petty um, a dictator uh, in a corporation or in an NGO or in your family or in your own mind. And it's biochemical and it's physical and the world is transformed and experienced uh, that way. So no matter how beautiful you see the world, for somebody else, everything is terrible. And that's physical. For someone, a bug is a bug or an insect is totally threatening. Uh, and for somebody else, it is absolute wonder and joy and, um, and ecstasy to behold such a wonder. Uh, that's physical. It's physical mental, it's mental physical. We could say it's nama rupa. Rupa Nama uh, in, in Pali, the interpenetration of the two. Uh, so it's always, always important to remember that the human being, any human being, uh, fluctuates through those six realms of the hell states, the different kinds of hells, the different kinds of uh, hungry ghosts, never having enough, satis no satisfaction. Um, the, the being that is um, in an animal-like realm, which is too bad because it's always describing animals in a negative light, but in an animal realm of just a completely instinctual, ravenous, passionate desire. And then the human realm of sensing. Uh, and then the jealous God realm and the God-like realm. All, all those have a form, even very, very subtle in the God-like realm, extremely subtle um, formation. Um, you can say mental, but it's actually still, still some degree, there must be some um, a forming. So this is this is a, a point. So when we meditate on this, we want to know what kind of state we're in predominantly, so we become aware of it. And by becoming aware of it, we can actually begin to change it and shift uh, out of it. And of course, then we start to see that other beings, whether they're humans or, or otherwise, are caught in those realms blind to those realms, and we can help by identifying what those are, bring a person out of it. In terms of liberation, we don't want to be in any of those realms. We don't want to be subject to having to be in any realm, but it doesn't mean that we cannot be in any realm. So in other words, a being that is scared of hell and is always doing whatever they can to be in heaven and maintain heaven is a suffering being. 
a being that is always trying to be human by constantly engaging in sensory activities like a human is clinging to be a human. So whatever realm it is, is a clinging realm. So when the Buddha was asked by a Brahmin, a Brahmin asked the Buddha, who are you? And he thought maybe the, the Buddha was a was a um, some sort of spirit being. And the Buddha said, no, I'm not a spirit being. And, and then the, the Brahmin said, are you a god? And the Buddha said, no, I'm not a god. And he said, oh, are you a yaksha? That's exactly what he said. Are you a yaksha? Which was a kind of a disturbing spirit type being. Short, stubby, smashes pans in the kitchen, that sort of thing. And uh, he said, no, I'm not one of those either. And I'm not human. So he said, well, well who are you? I'm awake. So, in other words, uh, the ability to, to traverse any kind of realm with freedom to uh, uh, help beings. So this is the teaching of Chen Rezi. Not being scared uh, to enter into the realms of other beings because you know that actually it's a dreaming realm. Beings uh, create the realm by their um, karmic patterning. You have to see, you have to realize, you have to come to actually realize emptiness and the dreamlike nature of how the mind uh, creates uh, forms. Like, like dreaming. So uh, by doing that, by, by uh, truly understanding and contemplating the uh, dream cycles and the dreaming of being awake and being asleep, and seeing that the experience one has is a product of karmic patterning, then you experience freedom. And that freedom allows one to not be, uh, what's the word, sucked in, uh, like in a dream. You recognize it's a dream, and you know how to shift the dream. So in the same way, in the same way that, uh, in a similar way, not the same way, in a similar way that you go in to a doctor and you say, um, uh, I have a problem with myself and it's kind of, I feel it's hopeless. I've had this, I've had this difficulty for many years. Let, let's, let's say it's a cancer. It let, let, doesn't matter what it is, an illness. I've had it for many, many years. And, um, or, and I don't know what to do about it anymore. The doctor says, well, actually we have a drug or we have a, we have surgery or we have a, a way of healing this. And maybe it's actually just change of diet. Maybe it's a change of location. Maybe it's, it's a drug or a combination of things. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't think it was possible. In the same way that um, a mechanic recently said uh, to me uh, uh, on a car, um, a sports car, the, uh, the engine is seized, it will not be uh, fixed, and you should get rid of it now. So if you believe the statement, that's your world. Hopeless. See? It's hell. The car is hell. That's what he said. The car is a write-off. Get rid of it. I didn't believe it. Because there's possibility. Somebody else said, no, 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 no. This should be easy. Here's how you do it. And sure enough, in four days, it was free. You see? It's, the engine was free. It was moving. So once you know that, that there's endless possibilities, not because you know it theoretically, but because you know it in your fiber of your physiology, uh, then it's a matter of changing the dream. Because for a lot of beings, it's hopeless. They're locked in that um, idea of what's possible. So therefore, that's their world. So the, the sixth realm model, this is a model, uh, is way more complex. There's many, many beings that fit in the middles of those, and they describe all these subcategories of yakshas and um, hordes of different hells. You, if you look in the Jewel Ornament of Liberation, we look at some of the 
uh, classic um, Indian and Tibetan texts, they describe all these different uh, realms, uh, different godlike realms, different um, animal realms, all different kinds of realms. So there's, I think it's, if my memory serves me right, there's about 32 different realms uh, described. And they all are present in a human being, which allows us to liberate. Whereas most other beings, um, animals, hell beings, and so on, they spend more time in those realms. Very rarely do they shift into a godlike or a human uh, realm. Their, their, their operating method is almost continually in that state. The reason why a human being, one of the reasons why a human being uh, can liberate is it fluctuates and moves through the different realms. That's a good thing. So you know you have a, you, you have a, a, a sadhana, and the sadhana is a means of accomplishment. But for a lot of beings, they practice the sadhana for them. But actually, it's asking you to investigate what are these six realms, and it's asking you to be a bodhisattva, which means to train deeply enough so that you can actually help beings uh, out of those different realms because you know those realms. And um, as the Buddha said, and uh, Namjoon Rinpoche said, and many great teachers said, uh, one has to study suffering. We don't want to study suffering, but you actually have to study suffering. Otherwise, you can't identify. You, you're not compassionate to beings because you just say, uh, well, let your mind be free, relax. Well, how? You just relax. It's naturally open and spacious, so what's the problem? Right? It's easy. No impediments. It's just uh, the nature of emptiness. Meditate on emptiness. That's not necessarily compassionate. So Chenrezig is the compassionate uh, Avalokiteshvara in Sanskrit, is a traveler amongst the worlds. Which kind of worlds? Uh, human worlds, godlike worlds, uh, hell worlds, animal worlds which we have all existing on this planet and um, and probably uh, no no doubt about it you know there's a lot of other planets out there and a lot of other planets um, with all the display of the different realms so it, it's asking us to actually study to observe uh, the fluctuation of realms not just in ourselves but in other beings other creatures, so that we actually understand uh, insightfully that uh, we don't have to be subject to realms. And that's why we practice Yadam Yoga. Because the Yadam is a bodhisattva that is uh, one foot in samsara, one foot in nirvana, and both are illusory. They're just they're illusory. So nirvana is illusory, samsara is illusory, and one chases after nirvana thinking it's a thing, and one tries to flee samsara thinking it's something. That's hell. Maybe even dharma hell. <laughs> if I can just make my mind quiescent, if I can just make my mind quiescent and be peaceful, then I escape everything. But when you find your mind is peaceful, you've just entered into a godlike realm, and you'll be sure to be reborn as a god. Nice, but not liberation. Chen Raisi's liberation. Why? Freely able to transparently travel through dreams helping beings out of dreaming. That's Chenrezi. That's the tra training of Chenrezi. No matter what form Chenrezi appears at, uh, in, whether it's Guru Rinpoche or Manjusri, what, now we, we ju just finished uh, uh, not long ago a Manjusri, a 12, uh, 12 Manjusri, 12 Manjusri empowerment. Um, Actually, tomorrow's uh, gem trade. Um, 
but all the Adams are Chenrezig. Different manifestations uh, to uh, bring being um, out of the realm, not into a realm, into the uh, Dharmadhatu, which is the sphere of reality. Sure, please do. Just in regard of Chinrezi being different forms, because um, I, could you clarify on that? I'm, I don't really understand that. The Yadam, which is the mani- the compassionate enlightenment, the compassionate manifestation of enlightenment, full enlightenment, can take any form out of compassion. It can have multiple arms, it can have multiple legs, it can have multiple bodies, it can have multiple eyes, it can have al- mul- al- uh, multiple instruments uh, for compassion. So uh, the Adams manifest to uh, very awake beings, uh, bodhisattvas, uh, from the sphere of ultimate uh, truth, ultimate space, truth, the space of the mind, as a manifestation of compassion, enlightened compassion. They can take on different forms. So even today, there are revelations of Yadams, different kinds of Yadams, uh, because they keep manifesting for compassion. They're, those are called termas. Because when beings request help, uh, they will manifest in different ways. If a, if a being is residing in a very high level as a bodhisattva, then it manifests as a Yadam. Some form. Some form of, of, of enlightenment mind. As teaching for liberating beings. So the, the forms the forms of Chenrezig are many. Uh, in the same way we can say the forms of Vajrasattva, of the diamond-like nature of the mind, are, are, are infinite. Whether it's Vajradini, whether it's uh, Namjalma, whether it's uh, Demshog, whether it's Hevajra, whether it's Gyalogyamso, they're all manifestations of the enlightenment mind manifesting for different beings at different times out of compassion. Some people are drawn to different cars. Some people like uh, Porsches, some people like Fords, some people like Ford trucks, some people like Toyotas, some people like the look of a Chevrolet, uh, Impala, Uh, some people like the look uh, better of a a Range Rover, some people like the look of a very beaten up old car that's just a mess. Right? And it's got to be in the 1950s or 1930s. And that's their way, but that, that may be what they can see. So these, these teachings are revealed for different times um, out of compassion to lead beings to liberation. The, different, the, the, the difference is, is the Adam is totally on about Buddhahood, whereas other manifestations like cars, uh, buses, trucks, skyscrapers, palaces, houses, uh, beautiful pottery and jewels are not actually leading to liberation, they're leading to happiness or despair, or temporary happiness. But a Yadam is a statement of complete uh, freedom. And the, the sadhana, right? The sadhana, what is the sadhana in, in a form, Peshta form? Right? The sadhana uh, is a means of accomplishing uh, the, total, uh, the total freedom for oneself and others. It's straightforward. <laughs> How's that? Is that fairly straightforward? It's straightforward. <coughs> Thank you. <coughs> so, uh, can I ask a question? Please do, please do. So, 
so I guess um, in terms of trying to connect to the meaning of Tenraisi, is it a, a good idea um, to, if, if you feel states of being kind of nurtured or, um, or uh, I know, just positive energy that doesn't seem to come from anywhere in particular, <laughs> is, it, is it fair to associate that um, with Tenraisi? Um, and the fact that the kind of the universe is looking after you in some respect, <laughs> um, or, or are we, is that confusing things? I, I guess what I'm getting at is, is Chenrezig, uh, is it best to kind of think of Chenrezig as, as a specific type of form or is it, or is it an all encompassing kind of, uh, liberative force? <laughs> is, is both, um, is simply both. <laughs> Both. It can man manifest specifically and it can be a display of uh, undifferentiated totality. Right. Completely. Com bo both. This may be a. Uh, maybe. Uh, uh, both at the same time. It can display anyway. One, one always has to make a distinction. It's really important. Make a distinction which ultimately isn't a distinction, but actually is a useful distinction for a long time, as to what is actually truly a manifestation of Chenrezy or is a manifestation of one's own personal or cultural, uh, we say karmic, but karmic being genetic and epigenetic conditioning that we carry. So we get to understand that, but uh, Chenrezy in its pure manifestation goes beyond uh, any kind of a karmic conditioning, but will manifest to different karmic, that is genetic and epigenetic cultural conditioning in the way that the being can interpret it. That's the beauty. We can only, in other words, we can only see what we can see. I know that sounds very simple, but, or very, you know, people, you've heard that before, but actually it's very true. We, we only can see within certain frequencies. So we interpret uh, Chenrezy through our eyes. But as we become more experienced and more experienced in Dharma and more, more experienced in openness and spaciousness, we see Chenrezy now as the mandala of all phenomena. Chenrezy is everywhere. Why? Because mind is everywhere. Liberation is everywhere. This is the totality aspect, and the specific aspect are teachings that would be specific to Chenrezig. In, in, in many ways, Chenrezig embodies compassion, enlightened compassion. But you can say that about any Adam. But historically, because of its place within Tibetan, the, especially the Eastern people of Tibet, Kham people, um, the emphasis is usually placed on compassion, but enlightened compassion. Whereas other Yadams, it's really more uh, specifically about skill and means and liberation. So these are, or sorry, about wisdom, the wisdom aspects such as Vajragini. But do they embody both? Always. So I don't know if that's specifically what you're, you're really getting at, uh, Jonathan, but um, one, one also has to be just a bit careful, sometimes very careful, how one interprets purification and whether it's actually purification or whether it's just a rearrangement of the chess pieces in the same karmic conditioning board. And this is why one really would like to have good Dharma friends and, and teachers so that we don't keep rearranging pieces on the chessboard thinking that we're winning and moving somewhere, but actually we've just put things on the chessboard in a new arrangement. Chen Raisi is breaking through all arrangements. That means you can play the chess, the chess game, or you can take your hand and sweep it all away. So the recognition of what's called recollection and recognition of states 
whether they're wholesome or unwholesome, whether they're liberative or non-liberative, is absolutely crucial. To break the habit of dreaming. And to break the karmic patterns that are patterns that don't really go anywhere, but just keep rearranging the chess pieces on the chessboard. Is that what kind of what you meant there? Yeah, that's that's um, good because I, I guess um, yeah I can see s certain kind of uh, waves of experience that happened, um, you know, positive and and kind of positive and or dominant and so on in terms of positive and and kind of less um, enjoyable <laughs> experiences and and the tendency to to believe the more positive ones are associated with liberation, whereas really they may not be, um, if, 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 because it may just be chess pieces rearranging, as you say. At the, um, at the, sa at the, sa at the same time, if you don't uh, support the good and you don't create a good foundation, even if it yeah. is just rearranging, then you're in trouble. Yeah. It would be like building a, a house on quicksand. So it's better to build a house on a firm foundation that's good than mud. So in that sense, that's good. In, in, a sense, in a sense, the beginning of the path of liberation, it's really worth rearranging the pieces on the chessboard in a good way that moves forward as opposed to a way in which you move sideways or backwards or stay neutral. And of course, the, the beautiful thing about Yidam Yoga, or what's called uh, technically um, uh, generation and completion stage yoga practice, is that you're rearranging the pieces on the chessboard and the way they interconnect, the experience of it. Uh, both positive, uh, enjoyable, but other times very, very odd for the brain, very odd for the body and the mind. And that's part of it. You have to be prepared for rewiring. Otherwise, why practice liberation? I want it all the same way. And can you please give me liberation? I can be happy and free, but I want to keep everything the same. Doesn't doesn't work that way. So beings, some beings today are very shocked, you know, when they come to a retreat and they go, I thought I was just going to be happy. Well, yes, if you wanted to go to a spa, and you want to, you know, really nice food and a massage every day and go out kayaking and um, be pampered. But to introduce something new, radically new, for liberation can be blissful and uncomfortable and actually really should at times be uncomfortable because the nervous system and the endocrine system and all the physiological systems are going to have to rearrange themselves. They have to. That's a good thing. That's why my, my dear beloved root teacher, Namjoon Pache, would get very happy for some of us when we're me meditating and it's very, very unpleasant. He would be so happy because he'd say, at the other side is liberation. But if you presented him with wonderful, beautiful states, for some of us anyways, he'd go like this. So what? Yeah, 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 yeah. But is it liberation? So it's not about masochism and, and collecting bad experiences and, and pushing oneself and so on, but actually rearranging um, the, the board and the wiring, if you wish. Wiring is just analogy um, or metaphor. But rearranging it so actually one's encountering uh, new new, new uh, paths of uh, for more freedom. And then, then the, the, wi the wisdom is, can one distinguish that which is liberative, which is actually moving for more space, more compassion, more love, more openness, better functioning. You can make a better cup of tea. Uh, you know, you can really function. Your, your conversations with people are actually better. Uh, is it moving that way or is it not moving that way?
and then we talk about compassion. Is it really, uh, is, are the actions compassionate or are they nice? Nice, it's good, nice, nice, nice. Here, have some, have a, you, know, you know, for instance, the matrix? You know, the, the, there's, a, there's a section in the matrix, I think the first matrix, maybe matrix one, where, uh, what does name goes to see the oracle? What? Neo. Neo, Neo goes to see the oracle. And he walks in and she says, you know, and he's quite upset. He's kind of, you know, he's concerned. Am I? Am I not? You know? Am I the chosen one? And all this. She says, have a cookie. I love that. Have a cookie. It's okay. It's not really going to matter in the end. Have a cookie. Relax. So is that the kind of compassion? One wants, here's a cookie, have a cookie, nice cookie. Or is it going to be a, um, an act of liberation? How many cookies do you want? How many cookies in a lifetime? We get them on the internet all the time anyways. So we're always getting cookies. <laughs> so the question is, are we getting the, uh, what is it, the red, the, the red pill or the blue pill? Whichever one it is. Are we actually taking something that goes forward? That's really what it is. That's the Adam practice. <coughs> and uh, th throughout the, the practice of the sadhana, then, uh, in terms of um, kind of staying on track, if you like, is it good to? make the primary focus the quality of mind that you're experiencing and particularly clarity and bliss and long thought like uh are we are we hoping to uh or kind of aiming to sustain and and build those qualities throughout the practice um primarily or how does that relate i guess this is kind of tying into mahamudra a little bit uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, but with the view with the view of Mahamudra. So, so uh, when there's bliss uh, and clarity and uh, non-thought arising, uh, these are good supportive states of samatha. But they are the foundation for Mahamudra. So, as the Dalai Lama said, if you don't understand emptiness, you can have all the good states in the world you want. But if you don't understand emptiness, you're not being a Buddhist. So everything within the sadhana, just about, is either pointing more towards compassion, freedom, acts of compassion, or redirecting you to contemplate emptiness over and over and over again, sometimes non-dual, sometimes dual, sometimes non-dual. So everything speaks of that. This is making sense? Everything. So this is why it's very important to receive teachings on the Mahamudra aspect, or the Dzogchen aspect, of the sadhana all the way through, every part of it, so that you're both doing these exercises and also seeing this is the Mahamudra of all things. I'm, I'm in the, right now, even though it looks uh, like a house and looks like a forest surrounding the house, this is the model of Chenrezig. It can look ordinary, and it's transcendental both at the same time. It's non-dual. There's, there's, no, there's no special place you're going to arrive at. This is it. There's no place you need to go. You don't have to go to nirvana. It's actually uh, a question of do you realize mind, or do you realize are you on about uh, always different forms? It's about experience. So what's the key question of the sadhana? The key question of sadhana is you're acting, you're being trained to act as a bodhisattva or a Buddha, which fully understands and comprehends emptiness and is able to display that for beings. Right? That's what you're training. So from the beginning of the practice to the end of the practice, it is a free flow of Mahamudra realization. 
the unity of compassion and emptiness, the unity, or awareness, enlightened awareness and sound, or enlightened uh, appearance and sound, or mind and compassion. So this is what this is what the training is. And you always have, it's very good to be reminded, otherwise you do a ritual. You're either, you're either doing a ritual to have bliss, clarity, and non-distinction, or you're having a ritual to feel good, just to feel good. But actually, it's meant to put your nose, you know what I mean by nose, right? Put your nose uh, right against the window of, um, of the emptiness, uh, empty nature, compassion, I don't make a separation, empty nature, compassion of the way the universe is. That's Chenrezig. Training. Training to look, training to see over and over and over again, over again, over again, over again. That's why we have Dharma teaching. Uh, I was saying that to somebody else the other day. We have Dharma teaching to constantly remind us of what we're doing. It's very easy to get lost. We have to be reminded uh, again and again and again what is the heart of Dharma. No different, you can be in a laboratory for years and you forgot what you're doing. You're, you're, you're just cleaning glasses. You're fiddling with an instrument. You're tuning up an electron microscope. You're fiddling around with technique, but you're not actually on about the essential question anymore. And you see how easy it is to lose that essential question every time you practice, right? Isn't it easy? It really is easy, isn't it? Every time you practice, me feeling good, right? Isn't it? It's easy. Like within a fraction of a second, it's, oh, man, do I want to feel this good? Or I really want to feel good. But actually, the entire message of the, of the, of the, of the sadhana is uh, the uh, complete comprehension of the array and vastness of the nature of emptiness which is also compassionate. They're not two things. They're identical in nature. Shown in different ways. Practiced this way and that way and this way and that way and this way and that way until it sinks in. It's important. So very good to actually have these classes and for you to remind each other, remind people, and for me to remind people this is what actually sadness. is. Otherwise, it becomes a nice ritual. We get together, we sit down, we have a nice time. And we ring musical instruments, and we uh, rhyme off rosaries, and uh, we get to wear nice clothing and things like that. But actually, we're not really going anywhere. We have to constantly see the, the, the view about liberation. At the same time, at the same time, that doesn't mean that the sadhana for some isn't a very useful practice for developing samadhi, deep, deep states of mental calm and brightness. That's a good thing. So I'm not negating that at all. At all. Not negating the, all the powers and qualities that come out of practicing sadhana. But one always must remember what we're doing it for Otherwise, you end up uh, practicing Chenrezig, but ending up basically practicing godlike states without knowing you're practicing godlike states so you can rebo be reborn in this lifetime and other lifetimes as a godlike being. And that's not the purpose of Chenrezig. So always remember what the, you almost, almost worth stating before you sit down and do a sadhana practice, what's the real purpose of the sadhana practice? And that is. Om Subhava Shuddha Sarva Dharma Subhava Shuddha That starts with uh, taking refuge, which is you take refuge in the uh, universe of, of, of freedom, ultimately, through the manifestation, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the Guru, the Adams, and the Dharmapalas, and then you uh, generate Bodhicitta, which is to remember 
what the entire practice of song is about is bodhicitta. Namjoon Rinpoche once said at the end of, you know, he, he did, uh, said, okay, well, we do the preliminaries, and then we say, om sabhava shu sarva dharma sabhava shu doham, contemplate emptiness. He said, that's it, it's finished. If you're swift, it's finished, it's done. Well, I guess it isn't, so we better continue on. So, that's what it is. The beginning is Mahamudra, the preliminaries. The middle is Mahamudra. And the dedication of merit is Mahamudra. It's all the same nature of compassion and wisdom. And we we, pra we practice multiple we practice multiple sessions per day, so that eventually it becomes a day and night practice, unbroken, where we don't see a difference between uh, the meditation and the, the non-meditation. It's an undifferentiated sadhana, which is Mahamudra, throughout the day and the night. That's what it's for whether you're doing the dishes or you're putting your child to bed <laughs> or taking your child to school or whether they're crying or screaming or it's difficult, it's, it's uh, an act of um, compassion with insight. It's good to remind. It's just good to remind ourselves of that, and then go into particulars. The view, and then the particulars, and keep seeing that every particular is actually the great view. And keep learning that there's no distinction. We want to be able to have distinction and unity and vastness and totality exactly at the same time. So at the same time we're human, we're Chen Rezi. Because we're already Chen Rezi. It just hasn't come out. And the more we purify, the more we purify our karmic obstacles, the more the Chen Rezi comes out. Have any, uh, any questions? and understood <laughs> is it is it a um, is it a kind of about not clinging to anything as being the subject uh, <laughs> as in like you know clinging to or not uh, clinging to, to non-thought and clarity and the, the feeling that, that the mind is is maybe expanding or moving in a, in a positive direction um, Heading in, the, heading in the right way, but at the same time you're saying that that's more samatha. Um, yeah, I guess I'm still slightly confused <laughs> about, <laughs> about that's, that's 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 just fine. Actually, it's not acceptable, but it's just fine. Uh, <laughs> confusion is not acceptable, but it's, it's okay. So yeah, th that just means there's more uh, more confidence, more confidence. So think of it, think of it this way, or feel it this way. You can feel it. It's better to feel it because then you you, you get it. Um, uh, Chenrezig, which is Ma Chenrezig, is Mahamudra. 
these people make the distinction. Tenrezi is the Mahamudra. There's no, not a shred of difference between the nature of Tenrezi and Mahamudra. There's not a shred of difference between the nature of Tenrezi and Dzogchen, great perfection. Zero, none. It's, and you've, stu you've been studying the Four Noble Truths. It's the unity, the only difference is there, if you wish, is the unity of non-clinging, which is the third noble truth, hmm? and fully non-clinging in complete unity with compassion. That's Chenrezi. That is the great perfection. And then people think, because they think, aha, isn't that straightforward? Isn't that simple? All I need to do is have a clear mind to help people. But they, they, they're missing. Now what you do is you open up the Jewel Ornament of Liberation by Gampopa and read through uh, uh, the Bodhisattva stages from one till nine. 10 being complete Buddhahood. Actually, actually in some traditions, it's, well, depends, depends how we're talking about it. But. So each of the Bodhisattva stages shows the range the display of what's possible with ever-deepening uh, appreciation, insight into emptiness, and contemplation of compassion, greater skills of compassion. That too, that, that comes through contemplation of Mahamudra. Full realization of Mahamudra is full Buddhahood. Short of that, even glimpsing it, and having some understanding of it, mixed inseparably with compassion, is a bodhisattva level. What isn't explained very often is even if you experience emptiness, the display, the fruition of the bodhisattva levels doesn't necessarily fully come out. It comes out fully for some to different degrees depending on how they practice. The, the richness of how you practice brings about the display, the fullness of what you, what you read about that a bodhisattva can do. You'd be like, my God, that's not possible what a bodhisattva can do. But uh, everything from a little bit to a lot, depending on the level of um, uh, residing in realization of emptiness and the uh, openness and the range of compassion. So that's also why we practice the uh, creation and completion um, yoga, is because we want a really rich, full range of the bodhisattva levels. Because ultimately, it's not about us. As a matter of fact, in the beginning, it shouldn't be about us, because we're not really us. We're, we're um, totally interconnected. What we think is us, what we feel is us, isn't necessarily us at all. So we may as well just get on with it and uh, go for the uh, the big the big uh, the big work. Can I help help a little bit about Chenrezi? So it's very very important for both of you, and actually, and also the people in this room, is be very very careful. You don't get. You, you get the very big picture, and you use the big words, and you study the big totality, the big picture, and have teachings on that. But you also make sure that you're able to handle and explore the particular. Because uh, that particular is what um, helps you see where sometimes we get a little bit too theoretical about the big stuff. It's all one, it's all undifferentiated, it's all totality, we're the same, uh, I'm Chenrezi because I'm interconnected, inter you know, all these things, very nice. But uh, can you meditate? Is the mind wandering all over the place? Are there disturbing states uh, everywhere? Do you know where you're going? Can you walk across the street clearly? Can you make a cell phone conversation and say hello? 
I know people don't, they don't say hello. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Can you actually have basic human kindness and functioning, or is it um, uh, about some um, mystical state? That too is generated. So the particular, every single word in the sadhana except for the. The, you can take out the the, the and, the, the and, the ah, but every other word, rosary, lights, uh, eyes, robes, uh, um, moon cushion, lotus, every single thing is speaking to the particular and the particular embedded in the totality of chin raising. So we study, that's why I want you to study. You study, and then you keep hearing and you keep practicing in the totality, both, until they become seamless. They become effortless. The uh, practicing knowledge and understanding uh, um, uh, it using the intellect is as natural as non-thought. Knowing something is the nature of emptiness. Does, doesn't matter. You're not worried about, about knowing or not knowing or using your intellect or thinking or not thinking. It's the same nature, it's empty. That's a greater freedom. We do that through the particular, the totality and the particular. If you want to play a beautiful piece of music, a Bach concerto or a Bach sonata, something like that, it really helps to hear it from someone that plays it beautifully. Uh, instead of trying to interpret it from the score and read the music, yeah? Because how you interpret it may not be quite right. But to hear it played masterfully and keep getting reminded how that instrument is played masterfully is as much the music. But then you still have to know how you sound those notes and how those notes are linked and how to read music. We don't have to read music, but it helps. Did you see? So the particular is the sadhana, and hearing the music and being enraptured by the unbelievable playing of the piece are both essential. And not clinging to one or the other. So you're studying, and you're practicing, and you're listening and hearing, and it's good. It's good. How's that for today? Good. Yeah. Hope that warm. Hope now is it getting war is it getting warmer now? Is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then 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 that's good. <laughs> I'm just curious. You've lost your toque. Yes. Yes. And, my yes. and a little bit of hair. Never <laughs> <laughs> had much of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, maybe we'll um, we'll see Jonathan soon, but maybe we'll check in um, uh, maybe in October or something like that. And uh, so keep in touch. And uh, uh, good good health to both of you. And you. Yep. Yep. Good retreat to everyone. Good. I don't. You don't. You don't have any trouble, do you? No. Okay. They're quiet. They're very quiet. <laughs> they're very quiet. Okay. Uh, we'll 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 um, we'll see you soon, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch. Not going somewhere, but nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Bye bye. Right.
so yeah. Uh, thank okay. you so much. If you have any other questions, you know, you can you can email me. Sure. Okay. So talk to you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. Bye.